You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This month we're answering this question, who are you? And uh, Robin started off our month asking that question of us, who are you? Who, who has God made you to be? And um, it all is part of, in answering the question, who are you? It's really coming to that question of what is our identity? What, what, what makes us who we are? And uh, I, I know in the physical sense, if we were to ask that question out on the street, who are you? Probably you'd say your name, you'd say other things about your identity, where you live, where you're from, your nationality, what's your employment, if you're married, if you're single. But actually, in Jesus, when we come to Him and we put our faith in Him, we're given a fresh new identity. And all that would otherwise stand against us or hold us back or define us in a certain realm, actually, all of those things are wiped away and we're, we're new creations. We're, there's something new that happens. Jesus talked about it being born again, right? We're born again. There's something new that happens. We're born into the spirit realm as a new person. What an exciting thing. And this identity now shapes how we should see ourselves and really how we see ourselves begins to shape how we live our lives. Because if I see myself in the way that I, you know, God says I am, then actually that starts to shape how I live, what I do, the decisions I make, how I, how I choose to, to do different things is because my identity shapes those things. And so, so far, uh, we've looked at these various realities. One is that we are God's children. We're His sons and daughters. We're part of His royal family. We're princes and princesses in His kingdom. We're heirs of God's kingdom, but we're also co-heirs with Christ Jesus. And because Jesus died on the cross and because there was a death, actually, we could step into the fulfillment of the will, right? A will is given, right? If you, if, if you're an heir of an estate, that estate only comes into effect once the person who owns the estate dies. And then it's put into place. Well, actually, Jesus died, which then enabled us to grab hold of the will. And your name was put into the will. You're part of, you're an heir of the estate of the kingdom of heaven. Your name, if you put your faith in Jesus, is there. Some would call it the Lamb's Book of Life. It's your name is there. And because it's there, all the promises of heaven, all that we see in Scripture are for you and for me. They're, they're for us. They're tangible. They're, they're put into play. Last week, we looked at this reality that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We carry His presence. And so again, when we say yes to Jesus, His presence comes and dwells in our midst. He, 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 he dwells together as the body, but He dwells in me. I'm carer, I'm a carrier of His presence everywhere I go. When I go to work in the morning, He's with me. When I go to bed at night, He's in me. When I go out with my friends, He's in me. Actually, I cannot separate myself from the Holy Spirit who now dwells in me. And so because of that, because I'm a carrier of His presence, actually, I am sacred, right? His presence dwells in me. And I mentioned last week, actually, the building, this is, this isn't sacred. The altar at the church is not sacred. And I know kind of over history, the church has become the sacred place. But nowhere in Scripture from the New Testament onwards do we see a building to be sacred. But we see people to be carers of His presence. The building is not the care of a presence. That's what happened when the curtain was torn in two. Actually, it moved from being in the Holy of Holies in the temple to moving to be in us. The Holy Spirit was now to live and move in our lives. 
not confined to a space that was cordoned off, but actually His Spirit now could move and be part of every situation through our lives. And so because of this, we're required or we're called to honor Him with our bodies. We're, we're called to live a life that's worthy of His Spirit living in us. So it shapes how we live our lives. It shapes how we conduct ourselves. Because I don't act a certain way in church and thinking this is sacred and, and then live some other lifestyle outside the church. But actually in every environment, His presence is still there. And so He calls me to be like Him because His Spirit's inside of me, challenging me to follow Him. But then also we're, we're called to be His hands and feet. As He leads us by His Spirit, He calls us to be part of His bigger plan. And in that, we step into the supernatural because He calls us to be like Him and to do what He would do, what He is doing, to join Him in His work. And so that's exciting stuff as we, as we look at it. And this morning, we're going to read in John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. Sorry, I didn't put it on PowerPoint as I was a little pressed for time to uh, get everything ready. 31 to 36, it says this, To the Jews who had believed in Him, Jesus says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered Him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves to any of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. If the son sets you free, you are freed indeed. Again, when we look at this place, our, our identity in Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are pronounced free. That's who we are. We're free. Who are we before we come to Christ? We're a slave. That's part of our identity. We, we do not have control over our destiny. We do not have control over the power of sin over our lives. We do not have control. We are a slave. When we come to Christ, we are pronounced free. I'm free in Christ. That's who I am. No longer does anything have a hold on me because actually Christ has set me free. We're no longer slaves, but Jesus has set us free. Now, although this is the reality, in this moment we come to Christ and in that very moment of saying, Jesus, I give my life to you, we are pronounced free in Him, but we've had a whole lifetime of living a different way and thinking a different way. And so it's a challenge to live in freedom when all you've ever known is bondage. And bondage that we know, it comes right from childhood upwards. We were born into sin. There's a sinward nature in all, even in children, as cute as they are, they can be naughty. All the parents say, Amen. Children do not need to be taught bad, but they need to be taught good. Why? Because the bad nature in all of us, it's in us. Two-year-olds don't need to be taught how to be difficult. They can be difficult all on their own. You know, it's the same way if we're looking at this aspect or this reality of, of um, conditioning of our minds to live in slavery or to live in freedom, when they take a an elephant to, to be part of, to be trained to, to be in the circus. This massive animal who has great power can be sitting outside the circus tent with a rope around its neck, attached to nothing, 
but not moving. How can this happen? Well, right from when they're starting to train them, right from when they're, I don't know what a baby elephant's called, little baby elephant. Is there, is there a specific name for a baby? A calf. When they're a calf. Calf, calf, calf. Or for the Canadians listening, calf. When they're a baby elephant, what, what they do is they put a rope around its neck and they attach the elephant, the baby elephant, to a, a peg, to a, a, a stake. And for the first while, that baby will try to pull itself away from the stake because it doesn't want to be bound by something. And so it will wrestle with it. And so day after day, they just keep, they, they, they peg the elephant to the stake. Now, as time goes on, the elephant begins to be aware that actually no matter how hard it tries, it is bound to this thing. So there's no point even trying. And at one point along its training process, it stops trying to pull away from the peg. At that point, they can remove the peg, and so long as the rope is around the neck of the elephant, it won't move, because it thinks it can't. Amazing. You and I, Jesus cuts away the rope, and yet our mindset, because we've lived a lifetime of, of certain thoughts, we can still think we're pegged to the ground. We can still think, actually, that's, but that's who I am. But I owe, well, my family's like this. This is part of my identity. This is, oh, yes, I understand. Yeah, Jesus has done this. But actually, this is, I'm still held captive to this. No, actually, you're not. You, you're, you've been set free from that. And so for an elephant, it's very difficult for an elephant that has been tamed in this way to actually be free in the wild because it, so long as something's around its neck, it doesn't think it's free. Even though actually that elephant could just run away. And it'd be very difficult to stop it. Actually, for you and I, God calls us to walk into this place of freedom. But it starts from this place of understanding the truth. Jesus said in his, in what we read in John, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why? Because the truth is the understanding of what he's accomplished as his, upon the cross, upon what he did when he came to this earth. When we know the truth, when we understand the truth of our identity in him, actually we're, we walk into a place of freedom because that truth sets our minds it releases us. It sets our minds free. So the, po the starting point is understanding the truth. The revelation that comes by the Spirit in our hearts. And again, we can read something, but it, it requires the Spirit to bring the revelation, doesn't it? How many of us have read things over and over, but when the Spirit brings the truth to light, suddenly it transforms us. And that's the realm that we need the Lord to work in us. And then as the Lord reveals, do you know, we still have a choice to believe it. We still have a choice to live it. And this is part of what's required in our response to it. And so if we're going to look at the truth about our freedom, we're going to look at four aspects of what the truth of our freedom. And the first one is we're free from the law. So when we're going to look at what are we free from? When we talk about I'm a Christian, so now I'm free. Yay! What, what am I free from? It's difficult to talk about freedom. Even when he was, Jesus was talking to the, the Jews and saying, uh, you know, talking about freedom, they're saying, what are you talking about freedom? We're Abraham's descendants. We've been slaves to no one. What do you mean we're going to be free? Yet Jesus was talking about the spiritual dimension. He was talking about freedom that they didn't understand. They didn't realize that they were bound by something. Now in Galatians, if we look in Galatians chapter 
5, verses 1 to 6. Galatians 5, verses 1 to 6. It says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to everyone who lets himself be circumcised that he is uh, obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the spirit the righteousness uh, for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What was happening in this passage of scripture? Well, actually, there was there was a, a thought going into the church, into the early church, that actually, although we believe in Jesus, yes, we still need to obey things of the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to you need to obey some of these things that are kind of handed down from our forefathers or whatever. They're being taught to the Gentiles. You need to obey some of these things. And Paul said, you know what? If you start to live by the law, and you come to Christ, and you come into freedom, but you say, you know what? Now I'm in Christ. I need to now try to obey this law. Well, now you're alienating yourself from Christ, because Christ has set us free from the law. When Jesus came, he fulfilled the law in himself once and for all. So if we're in Christ, we are fulfilling the law because we're in Christ. We're set free from its obligations because Christ has accomplished it all. Jesus fulfilled everything when he came upon and died upon the cross, living a sinless life. Our life is not about trying to keep a list of rules. Our Christian life isn't about trying to be good enough. Can I tell you that? That is not what Jesus has called us to live. A life trying to be good enough to please him. You will never be good enough to be righteous in the sight of God on your own. Can I just set you free from that lie? When we come to Christ and if we feel this bound sense of I have to be like this, I have, I have to try to be good enough, I have to be, try to be holy, holier than thou in my attitude and actions, you know what? You'll never be. Our goodness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags as unto the Lord. If you think you can be squeaky clean in God's sight on your own without Jesus' sacrifice, you know what? You're living a delusional life. Jesus has set us free. And it's by grace and not by works that we find the favor of the Lord in our lives. We find that freedom. It's all about faith in Jesus and nothing about our works. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again with the, local, the yoke of slavery. You know, God has called us, you and I, to walk in a place of freedom. Understanding that we please him. Not because we obey a set of rules, but we please Him by putting our faith in Jesus. That's how we please the Father heart of God. It's not by a list of commands, but it's faith in Jesus. Wow. You know, I grew up in the church. And, uh, you know, I think the church, I think, always had kind of these unwritten rules of how you're to live life, what you're to do, what you're to not do. I remember having a talk with someone this past week about this very thing. She come from another cultural context and is challenged by some of the English things that go on even in church. 
But then some of the things we were talking about, I said, where is that in Scripture? In your cultural context, that's wrong, but do we see that in Scripture? You see, we can grow up and we can even in the church adopt this mindset There's that we have to conform to a certain idea. But actually, Jesus says, actually, all I ask you to do is put your faith in me and obey the Spirit of God in me, in you. Remember, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Actually, and in that, we fulfill the law. But the point is, is not being bound by the law. The point is not trying to live a life where we're trying to conform ourselves to a law. Because when we try to change from the outside in, what happens is the next part of this thought process, if we're set free from the law, then we're set free from all condemnation that's associated with the law. Right? Because if you break a law, you're a lawbreaker. And you are condemned as a lawbreaker. And so if I go out and steal a car, it's a law that you can't do that here, I guess. Right? I've been told in England you can't do that. Canada, we do it all the time. No. We, actually, funny story though. I grew up in a rural community and uh, we, a village of 500 people and we, we had um, a cafe that was kind of like the corner cafe that everyone came to. All the farmers came into town for coffee with the guys, right? Kind of bit of a men's club thing. If you went out, everyone's keys were in their car, right? Doors open, you'd walk into the cafe, there'd be like 30 cars out front, or pickup trucks, not cars, pickup trucks, and everyone's keys were left in the car. Why? Because this is, no one's going to steal our car. No one's going to steal a truck. Anyways, that's kind of the world I grew up in. Very trusting. I don't think they probably do that anymore. As people, the younger generations have caught on to the fact that there's all these cars that you can drive away with. Here it is, though. We are free from all that condemns us. When we come to Jesus, we're set free from the law of sin and death. And because Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin, and when we come to him, the slate is wiped clean. The result of that is there's now no condemnation for us. What is being condemned? Or what is, what is condemnation? Condemnation is the sense of being condemned. It's the reality of there's something hanging over us. There's a penalty to be paid. And see, the, the enemy is very clever. And he, he works in this realm of condemnation, doesn't he? You and I, we, we sometimes, we, we don't always measure up to where we think we should be. We, we might even try to follow all the rules and we don't quite make it. And, and so there's this, there's this uh, heaviness over our lives of feeling condemned because we're not measuring up to the standard we think God has asked of us. How many can relate to that? We feel like we're not quite there. And so day after day, we try our best and yet we, we keep maybe doing the things we don't want to do and do the things we shouldn't do. And, and as Paul even says, there's this whole challenge that even Paul faced. And if we live a life based upon the law, condemnation is the direct result of it. Because we feel condemned. We feel that we're just not there when God has called us to be something different. And we just feel overwhelmed. But the amazing thing is we read in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, it says, therefore there is now no condemnation. I want you to say, no condemnation. No. Now say it like you mean it. No condemnation. Which means every single day there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by our sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son 
in the likeness of sinful man to be, to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but live according to the spirit. Wow. Here it is, guys. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I no longer stand condemned because Jesus has paid the price for my freedom. The enemy has nothing on you. Can I tell you that again? The enemy has nothing on you. No matter what he might say, no matter whatever lie he might try to pull you down with, well, you used to be this. You do this before you didn't knew Jesus. Do you know what? He's got nothing on you. Do you know when Jesus died for our sins, he died for all of our sins, both past, present, and future. He isn't still dying for our sins. He paid the price. And so actually, if your name was brought before the, uh, before the Lord, and Jesus, or the enemy was wanting to condemn you before, before the Father, as even we see in Job, you know what? The book would be open and nothing would be written on your name. Why? Because you are not condemned in Jesus. You are free. Jesus has set you free. We are now forgiven. We are cleansed in Jesus Christ. We are free from our old life. It no longer should hang over our lives. This is a reality and this is a truth that sets us free. Can I tell you what? Again, I said I grew up in the church and in the church there was all these rules I grew up with. I grew up in kind of traditional Pentecostal church. And can I tell you, it was while I was, we've been in England and in the last 10 years, probably about eight years ago, God, this reality of his amazing grace hit home in my heart. All this while I've been trying to please God. And yes, I had my faith in him. Yes, all those things. I was wanting to follow Jesus, but there was something in me always trying to be good enough. And when that truth came that he has set me free from all of that, it was such a load off my shoulders. I don't have to try. I just have to follow. That's the difference. I just have to follow the Spirit. I don't have to try. I don't stand condemned. I stand completely free. And you know what? If I see myself as free, and if I see myself released, do you know what? It's much easier to live it. It's much easier to live when you see yourself as being forgiven than when you see yourself as being condemned anyways. Why? Because conde condemning thoughts leads us to do more condemning things. Well, I've already sinned. God already isn't happy with me. I may as well keep going. Right? I remember thinking those things. Well, I'm already separated from God because of what I've just done. I'll, I'll just carry on. But you know what? That's a load of rubbish. Again, His Spirit dwells in me. He doesn't come and go from me. Depending on if I do good or do not do good. Actually, if I put my faith in Jesus, His Spirit is dwelling in me nonstop. And because the Spirit is dwelling in me, and because of what Jesus has done upon the cross, so long as I keep my anchor upon Jesus, I am in a place of being forgiven and set free from all that ha is handed over, or sorry, all that hangs over me. And so we're, we're set free from condemnation, we're set free from the law, but we're also set free from the power of sin. 
In Romans 6.14 it says, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but you are under grace. Sin shall not be your master. You know what? As Christians, as believers in Christ, when the law was fulfilled in Jesus, also the power of sin was broken over our lives. And so no longer does sin have a hold on me, but actually in Christ Jesus, I've got power to break through from that. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, dwells in your life. And because of that, I've got the power to resist. I've got the power to flee evil. I've got the power to be like Jesus because his spirit is in me, giving me that power. Sin should not be our master. Jesus has forgiven all our sins. He's also given us the power to move forward, living a life led by the spirit. The Bible says we'll not be gratifying the sinful nature. And although we're free from sin's power, we're called to be set apart. In Galatians 5.13, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not, lose, uh, do not use your freedom to indulge in, sin, in the sinful nature. You were called to be free. Don't use the freedom in the wrong way. So freedom does not mean we can do whatever we want. You know, I was thinking of this. What's the great thought process of freedom? You know, a fish has all the freedom in the world in the water. Right? It can do whatever it wants in the water. You know what? God gives us healthy boundaries. But in those boundaries, there's great freedom. If a fish decides it wants to walk on land, it's going to end up in death. And the same thing goes when we decide, you know, I don't want to be walking in this freedom that God has given me in the bounds, in the kind of the boundaries that he's given. And I want to go outside the boundaries. Outside the boundaries of God's freedom is death. We can have freedom, but God calls us to not let sin increase so that grace can increase. But by no means we do that. We, we follow the Spirit of God, and so it sets us free from the power of sin. And so these three things we've just kind of mentioned are all things that we're saved from. But what are we saved to? What are we freed to? We're freed to serve God. Because we are free from all that holds us back, we are free to serve the Lord and to join Him in His work. There's nothing actually stopping us. In 1 Peter 2.16, it says, Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Live as free men. Live as servants of God. Do you know what? You and I, because of all this baggage has been removed of our lives, we are now freed to serve the Lord. That's the point. We're freed from that stuff so we can be free to a life following Jesus, a life part of his plan, part of his purposes. You know, you and I were called, we were created to serve the Lord. That's, that's the intention that God had for our lives. We are free to become who he's called us to be. To step up into our calling. Free to fulfill this mandate over us. You and I were called to serve him. And in serving Him, we find the greatest fulfillment this life has to offer. You know, serving Jesus is not a chore, but it's a great pleasure. And if you think that serving the Lord is a chore, you're not serving the right Lord. You know, being busy with the Lord's business is an amazing opportunity. It's something that gives us a, 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 a purpose and a, a future. We get to be part of his big plan. 
And closely linked with serving to free the Lord is, is also free to serve one another. In Galatians 5.13 it says, You, my brothers, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. I already read this. But then right after it says, Rather, serve one another in love. So what's he saying? He says, You, my brothers, are called to be free. Serve one another in love. What's he saying? He's saying, actually, you're free to now serve one another in love. Don't use your freedom to indulge in sin, but actually use your freedom to now serve. And actually the two of serving God and serving one another is actually very closely connected because actually to serve one another is serving God, isn't it? I'm free so I can help you. I'm free so I can release myself uh, from my own needs to, to help what you're going through. I'm free so I can help those around me. I'm free. That's the role. That's the position God has given us. Actually, we're not free just to do whatever we want. We're now free to be a part of the body. We're now free so it's not about me, but it's about others. It's not about just trying to hold on to your life, but actually it's about giving. It's about releasing. It's about being part of His bigger plan. You know what? We're free to serve. We're free to be part of all that he's doing. We're free to step into this bigger picture that God has for us. And so it's not just being freed from something. It's being free to something. It's very difficult for someone who's in a cage, bound up, to be released to do all that they need to do. But when God releases us from the cage, you know, there's this opportunity we have. And I, I think when our mindset, when we're living in condemnation or we're living in a, a, a heaviness over our lives, you know, it's very difficult for us to serve the Lord. It's very difficult because we feel condemned. We feel we can't do it. We're not worthy. I can't serve God. I've got all this stuff in my life. I can't do that. I can't help. Why, why, would I, why can I do that? Because look at who I am. Look at where I've come from. You know, when all of the, when the slate is wiped clean and our understanding shifts and changes in our minds, actually we're released from all of that and we're released to the bigger plan that God has. And in that bigger plan is life, is joy, is freedom. It's yippy-skippy. It's in the Bible somewhere, that word yippy-skippy. It's in the Canadian translation. It's a question this morning. Who are you? You are free in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. You're free. You're a free woman. You're a free man. Nothing has a hold on you, but you're also free to serve. You're free to engage. You're free by choice to be involved in God's purposes. The law does not have a hold on me. Sin has lost its power over me. I'm free to serve the Lord and others with all that I have. Can I tell you what? This morning is time to break the lie that would hold you back in any other thought process. You are not who you were before you met Jesus. You're set free from all of that stuff. And now you can step into God's bigger plan and purpose. Hallelujah. My past does not need to dictate my future. But even what Paul says, I, I forget what is behind 
And I press on to take hold of the prize that God has called me heavenward. I, I, I don't need to let this baggage hold me back, but actually I can press on. Why could Paul forget? It's because all that stuff was of no value. What was of value was knowing Jesus. So the, at the heart of all of this, our identity is our faith in Jesus. It's our faith in Jesus. It's our faith in Jesus. That's where it all stems from. And he gives it all in return. Won't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.